Inspiring interviews with today's top landlords. This is the Rental Income Podcast. And now, Dan Lane. Jared, I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because I feel like you're a great example of how rentals can build generational wealth. Tell me about your family. Uh, Interestingly enough, my uncle actually uh, purchased several uh, properties in Central and Upper Manhattan and Harlem. Uh, way back in the 1940s, and he only paid a few thousand dollars for these properties. And today, you know, given the market conditions and, and you know, the renter demand in New York City, these assets are worth millions of dollars. And we've been able to uh, reposition them, you know, o- over decades and make major capital improvements to building systems and really, you know, uh, bring the portfolio to a, a much greater point than I, I believe that he could ever have imagined at, at that time. Um, so it really just points to the power of generational wealth. And, you know, our position as a family is not necessarily the buy and flip model, but buy, uh, create value and hold and, and to be able to transfer those assets generationally to create wealth and, and financial stability for future generations of the family. With my personal rental properties, I'm guilty of thinking really short term. I'm really consumed with how much money my properties are going to generate today. And I I don't always think about the long term, but when you think about 10, 20, 30 years out, it's really pretty incredible how much money the rental properties are going to make you. And when you think generationally that you're going to buy an asset that could stay in your family forever, it really becomes mind boggling pretty quickly how much money and what a difference buying a property is going to make to your family tree. And that's what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today. We're going to talk about Jared's uncle and how he made an investment for a few thousand dollars back in the 1940s that have generated millions of dollars for his family. Joining us on the podcast today from New York is Jared Whitaker. We'll take a really quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll come right back and we'll talk to Jared. Do you have a number in mind for a certain monthly cash flow that you want to get to? Or maybe it's a certain net worth that you want to build to. Whatever your goal is, you don't need to figure out how to get there on your own. Jay Lee Ridge from Ridge Lending Group is more than happy to work with you to show you how to get there. Jay Lee is a longtime rental property investor, and she's also helped thousands of investors, both brand new and experience finance their rental portfolios. Here's how it works. Chaley will work with you to help you figure out a realistic goal, and she'll put together a customized plan for you. As things change with either the market or with your personal financial situation, Chaley will adjust the plan and she'll guide you to wherever it is that you want to go. The best part is there's no extra charge for this service. This is a free benefit of working with Chaley Ridge and Ridge Lending Group. If you want to find out more or you're ready to get started today, reach out to Chaley at RidgeLendingGroup.com. That's R-I-D-G-E LendingGroup.com, NMLS 42056. I've put a lot of time, effort, and money into building my rental portfolio. It's something I'm very proud of, something I want to protect, and something I want to keep in my family for a long time. That's why I put together an estate plan. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage your own custom estate plan starting at just $199. Just go to trustandwill.com slash RIP 
and you'll get 10% off plus free document shipping. I thought about doing a will for a long time, but I thought it was going to be very complicated, confusing, and expensive, and I just kept putting it off. Luckily, I found trust and will, and the whole process could not have been easier. My wife and I sat down one Saturday morning over a cup of coffee. We went to trustandwill.com. They walked us through a series of questions, and at the end, we got our own state-specific and customized will for our needs. Trust and Will has made estate planning easy and accessible for everybody. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash RIP. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash RIP. I didn't like the idea that if something were to happen to me, my family was going to struggle financially. I mean, they're still going to have to pay the mortgage payment, car loans, credit cards, and whatever other living expenses they have. So I got life insurance, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind to know that they're not going to struggle. They're going to have some time to get back on their feet again. Policy Genius's technology makes it really easy to compare life insurance quotes from the top insurance companies in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. If you have life insurance through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it also might not follow you if you were to leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. One of the things that I love about Policy Genius is that their agents work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Rental Income Podcast. Jared, th- this gets me so excited to to hear about what what your uncle did and and how you've been able to take it to the next level. So, tell me, what does your portfolio look like today? Sure. So, so Dan, we have a, a handful of properties in Upper Manhattan, about sixty units, uh, four properties, uh, a couple dozen commercial and retail ground floor spaces where we, you know, really cater to the community by offering uh, proprietary mom and pop vendors that, you know, offer services that that can extend to the community. Um, and then additionally, what I was able to do during COVID was to go in and renegotiate the interest rates with our lenders and, and really get a very low reduced interest rate and refinance the properties. And I was able to pull out equity and actually pick up uh, six more properties in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we're under contract for another one in Florida right now. So, you know, we really look at these assets as uh, wealth creators and and vehicles that we can expand. Uh, My portfolio today is about $16, $17 million. And with my success year in and year out as a real estate executive to continue to invest in my own personal real estate with my family so that uh, we could create generational wealth and have, you know, assets that can carry us well into the next generations. That's really incredible. So your uncle, when he started investing, this was just something he was doing on the side? 
he actually, you know, oddly enough, um, you know, he he was actually dealing in the numbers racket back then <laughs> in the <laughs> 1940s. And it's interesting because in Harlem, if, if you're familiar with, um, you know, urban studies and, and, and your history, uh, these communities were redlined. So people weren't able to buy properties. Um, they weren't able to obtain capital from banks. Uh, to open up businesses and whatnot. So my uncle actually would lend and became like a loan maker in Harlem for people who had businesses, small business owners, um, people who were looking for capital to to uh, run their businesses. And he was able to, you know, uh, essentially create his, his own uh, informal bank. And through that success, he was able to start aggregating and purchasing properties in uh, central Harlem. We have you know, properties on 127th Street, 128th Street, 139th Street. And, um, you know, it was very, very much uh, excellent vision that he had and the foresight to, you know, purchase those properties, understanding that real estate is really the cornucopia of, of wealth creation in the American system. So how much do you estimate that he paid for the the properties that, that he he bought back then? Yeah, I actually know to to the penny. Dan. Okay. It's interesting because we um, when we refinance these properties, I'm sure, you know, when you have a commercial property, it's a pretty intensive process uh, gathering together all your articles of incorporation, uh, legal formation documents, tax IDs, uh, personal financial statements, etc. So we were able to go back to the original corporation books from the 1940s and the, the company was actually called Surefire Realty at that time, and then the name changed over to Lloyd's Funding Corp. But um, he acquired that property for for just under ten thousand dollars. And wow. you know, when the property last appraised, it's it's you know in the seven to eight million dollar mark, uh, two blocks from one hundred and twenty fifth Street, the Apollo Theater, uh, right in you know in Upper Manhattan, with quick quick access and connectivity. So our rental base is a combination of. Uh, Tenants who've been at the property for decades, you know, um, that that go back to the 80s and 90s. And then we have students. We have uh, young working professionals who've moved to New York City from uh, other markets, sometimes internationally. And, you know, we pride ourselves in being able to offer an affordable rent. Um, We have some apartments that are rent stabilized, which are, are rent capped by the city's guidelines. And then there's others that are fully market rate, but all in all, we have a very strong product given the affordability issue in New York City. So um, again, my, my goal and strategy, uh, it, it probably will be hard to acquire more properties in Manhattan given how expensive this market is, but I've been able to um, look outside of New York City using the foundation of the success here and invest in other markets like Pennsylvania and Florida. I mean, it really speaks to how powerful time is with real estate investing that he bought these properties, which, you know, in the 1940s, $10,000 probably seemed like a lot of money, but it's nothing like the millions of dollars that it would cost today to buy these properties. Absolutely. It's really, really awesome. Now, are you the only member of the family that so that's involved sure so so um so the ownership stru- structure is for family members i'm the uh operating partner and you know um oversee the operating budgets and and the finances and then we have other family members who you know handle the operations uh matters some who um have accounting uh backgrounds a cpa so we kind of use our skill sets and education that we receive to to run it as a small mom and pop 
uh, shop. And then we employ a handful of uh, uh, employees that take care of our, our work order tickets, service requests and, you know, rent collection and, you know, all of all of the mechanics of, of your standard property management. So that's been effective. And then outside of New York City, I've been able to partner with management companies that, you know, oversee those assets. So it's really hands off. And, um, you know, technology has been a game changer and the industry is moving to a place where real estate is actually a service. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's successful and progressive understands that we no longer are renting uh, um, an apartment with four walls. You're, you're renting an experience. People are paying a significant amount of money uh, to have a, a living experience. And, you know, they want to have the same level of connectivity and technology of seamless Grubhub, Airbnb, Lyft, Uber, and all the other, you know, non-real estate industries that that understand technology as a convenience. Yeah. I mean, really, it, it, it's it's incredible to think how much the business really has changed. And, you know, it's not only the experience that people are looking for. I, I think it, as far as a, a change, another change that we've seen is with tenants that, like, I, I feel like in the past, it was easy to evaluate if someone was was going to be able to qualify for a property that you could look at their pay stubs and you know if they had the income they qualified if they didn't they they didn't qualify but i feel like today there's a lot of people that are doing like gig jobs or freelancers Absolutely. or or um you know they're they're self-employed so has that changed the way that you evaluate tenants? What 100% there has to be a level of flexibility because we are in a, a new service economy. There's a hybrid and you have a lot of freelance uh, workers, gig workers. You have people working from home uh, in non-traditional schedules in the post uh, you know, pandemic environment. So we're, we're using platforms like the guarantors that offer uh, renter coverage insurance. Uh, they offer lease guarantee products that allow us to de-risk tenants. Um, and if someone's an empty nester, let's say a person's retired, they no longer have a nine to five job, but they have, you know, strong assets on paper. Uh, an, an international student that may not have a, a social security number and credit score. You know, we partner with the guarantors to provide that lease guarantee and renter's insurance product where you know, if a person would de default, they would they would de-risk us by covering that person as an institutional guarantor. It, it makes me very happy at night to know, you know, a renter can pay $13 per month for a renter's insurance with the guarantors. And if there's a, a, a leak or a flood or some building event, you know, they're not only uh, personally covered for their personal affects, but I as a landlord have assurances that I can make the needed repairs to the property. So yeah, the guarantors are great. They're actually a sponsor of the podcast, but yeah, I, I, I love them. I, I really, really love what they're doing. I'm actually getting ready to, um, to switch over my first rental with, with them. So everything's been working out pretty good with them. It's been a very successful partnership. So, you know, they're operating in our assets in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona and, and other markets across the United States. So it's been a very successful partnership with the guarantors. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, let's talk about collecting payments. So are you using an online payments for your, your tenants or do, are you taking checks or how do your tenants pay you? Sure. Sure. 
Great question, Dan. So, you know, and I'll talk in two different parts. So for, for my day job, of course, we use, uh, you know, very sophisticated uh, platform, Yardi, as our property management software system. Um, and that's quite expensive. And it's, it's for the larger institutional investors and owners and operators. And that, that um, you know, product is a little bit more advanced. The rental collection process is certainly um, collected online for about 99% of our, our residents. And then for my personal portfolio, we use apartments.com, um, which is a free platform. Uh, it's no cost for me to use it. And for the renter, as long as they set up an ACH uh, payment, it's free. Uh, it drafts directly from their bank account. Or if they happen to pay with a credit or debit card, it's like a 2.9% uh, convenience fee that apartments.com charges. But um, I want to say in both instances, you know, rent collection through electronic and online means is about, you know, 95 to 97 percent. Um, we do have a handful of, of uh, tenants in my, my personal portfolio that uh, pay by check or they may be receiving some type of voucher assistance assistance. But again, you know, going back to the technology aspect, being able to collect rent online and, and, and have a you know good tracking of what your payables and, and receivables are electronically allows for you to operate efficiently. Right. Um, so, so your rents come in every month and then you've got to hold some money back for maintenance that might come up and taxes and insurance and whatever expenses you have to, to run the operation. But like, how do you decide how much you're going to keep in the business account and how much you're going to disperse to you and to your, your relatives? Absolutely. So, so for our portfolio, we do a couple things. Um, firstly, every year before the new calendar year starts, I call uh, a budget meeting and we literally go line by line and pull every single operating expense that runs through the property. We're going to you know, have an idea of what our upcoming insurance premium is going to be. We know what our debt service and mortgage payments are. Uh, we, we confirm what the tax payments are for these properties. Um, so, you know, for all of our controllable expenses, we have a good idea of what those routine and recurring expenses are going to be every month. Then, then we have, you know, placeholder numbers that we'll put in every month for repair and maintenance and, and you know, things that aren't anticipated. And, and finally, we develop a capital budget where, you know, for the upcoming year, we'll take on a, a different project. For example, at one of my product, uh, projects right now, we're doing a gas conversion so that the heating system can run by natural gas as opposed to fuel oil, which is significantly uh, higher as an expense um, for that particular property. So it's a pretty, you know, invested process as a small mom and pop landlord. Every expense counts, every dollar counts in revenue. So you really have to manage it aggressively to make sure that it can perform and, and that you can preserve it for uh, future generations. So, you know, that's kind of the process for my personal portfolio. Again, systems like apartments.com and uh, QuickBooks uh, using Microsoft Excel to, to have, you know, templates that we can quickly make edits and updates in is, is, is very important. And um, for, you know, R&M expense and replacement costs, we'll, we'll probably budget, you know, something like $250 per month per unit as a sinking fund so that that can fund future capital repairs and improvements. So you definitely want to have all the, those things out first. And then, you know, we do quarterly distributions 
of uh, uh, owner's payments, owner's distributions after we've trued up our financials so that we're not taking money out before we know, you know, that period is closed and we're, we're, we're confident that there's no expenses that will hit for that period. Yeah, I think that's a smart way to do it. So you, you've got that extra money there. So you're not making monthly distributions so that you, you have more cash in case something big comes up. Correct. Correct. Awesome. And I would say, you know, again, I know speaking directly to the to the rental income uh, audience, you know, it depends on the property. If it's a single family property, a two family, a triplex, you probably could do monthly distributions. You, there's going to be less, you know, expenses running through the property. It's, it's a tighter budget that you're maintaining. But certainly as you get to having a 10 unit, a 20 unit, a hundred unit property, you definitely, you know, are going to want to be conservative, uh, with the budgets and, and make sure the distributions are happening quarterly so that you can, there's just much more you're managing at a property of that scale. Sure. Sure. Now, I mean, definitely you're interested in real estate. It, it, it sounds like your, your family is interested in real estate, but is there anything that you're doing to get the younger generation interested? And the reason I, I ask this is that I have a friend of mine that is, I guess in a similar situation, her grandmother bought a building coincidentally in New York city around the same time as your uncle. She, she ran this property throughout her life. And when she passed away, she passed it. She left it for her granddaughters and the granddaughters aren't interested in real estate at all that they, they really look at the building as a hassle. And I, I just fear that at some point, they're going to want to sell the property and be done with it. I, I don't, I don't think they really grasp the power of this building that they own. So is, is there anything that, that you're doing to get the younger generation interested so that, that this can keep going, you know, for, for many, many years in, in your family? Absolutely. And, and, and you raise a valuable point because, um, you know, it's one thing to be, successful in one generation, but multi-generational is a different, different animal um, in itself. So I think for our family, it starts with financial literacy. And, you know, we, we are big on, you know, understanding the power of your credit score. Education is important. Not going to college or trade or some, some type of secondary education is not an alternative for our family. Uh, we, we've, we've survived through the lean times in the eighties and the nineties. And for us, you know, to, to be at the level we are today, you know, we want to make sure that this can be maintained and actually grow for future generations. So I think, you know, for me personally, with my children, I have three, you know, they come to the properties with me when I am going to, you know, meet with the vendor or contractor to get a repair quote. They they come with me when we are, you know, meeting with uh, some of the tenants at the properties to address different issues. Um, I had my my, uh, you know, ni- now 19 year old daughter. But when I was doing construction on one of the properties and replacing parapet walls and the boiler system and, and, and roofing systems, I had my, you know, 15, 16 year old daughter with me um, because a lot of people do watch H- HGTV and they think, oh, you buy a property and it's just this. It's just spewing out cash every month and they don't understand the stewardship that comes with being a property owner and, and the maintenance required to maintain that asset. So I think, you know, it's, it starts with financial literacy and, you know, for each generation, you may, it, it may be a question of 
identifying which of the children or grandchildren have that uh, interest to go into real estate and entrepreneurship and, and business and, and letting that person take the helm of, of the operations so that uh, the assets can survive for multiple generations. It's really pretty incredible when you think about it that 83 years ago, Jared's uncle made a decision that he was going to invest in rental properties. And because of that decision, Jared and his family now have an income every month. They've made millions of dollars in appreciation and they've been able to harvest some of that equity to buy additional properties. It's really, really pretty awesome. And I really hope that 80 years from now, someone's talking about you and the decision that you made to invest in rental properties and how that's changed your your family tree. Well, if you want to learn more about Jared, he's written a book called The Real Estate Godfather of Harlem. It's on Amazon, and he would also love to connect with you on LinkedIn. I've got links to his book and to his LinkedIn profile on the website. You can find it all at rentalincomepodcast.com slash episode 405. I'd like to thank today's sponsor for making today's episode possible. It's Chaley Ridge from Ridge Lending Group. Chaley is a nationwide lender, and her specialty is helping investors finance rental properties. She has a ton of different loan programs, and she can find something customized to you for your situation. If you want to find out more or you want to set up a time to talk to Chaley personally, you can track her down at RidgeLendingGroup.com. That's R-I-D-G-E LendingGroup.com, NMLS 42056. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Make sure you hit that follow button. I put out a new episode every single Tuesday, and if you're following the show, you'll get notified as soon as the next episode comes out. My name is Dan Lane, and this has been the Rental Income Podcast. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I didn't like the idea that if something were to happen to me, my family was going to struggle financially. I mean, they're still going to have to pay the mortgage payment, car loans, credit cards, and whatever other living expenses they have. So I got life insurance And it gives me a lot of peace of mind to know that they're not going to struggle. They're going to have some time to get back on their feet again. Policy Genius's technology makes it really easy to compare life insurance quotes from the top insurance companies in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. If you have life insurance through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it also might not follow you if you were to leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. One of the things that I love about Policy Genius is that their agents work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes 
and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.